Welcome to AP GoPocast from Whitman Hanson Regional High School in Whitman, Massachusetts. I'm history and government teacher Steve Botello. And joining me every episode are students from our Advanced Placement United States Government and Politics course to share their insights on current political news stories in these turbulent times. Student guests will discuss the facts and sources of these stories make connections to our curriculum, and most importantly, share their own opinions on the big issues of the day. This is Season 2, Episode 1 of AP GoPodcast, recorded on December 16th, 2020. Joining me today are Bridget Hickey and Nate O'Brien, and they're going to be talking to you about social media influencers and the impact they're having on political socialization. Um, Bridget and Nate are joining me today, and they've got some ideas that they want to share with the rest of the world. Who wants to go first? Who wants to talk about their their findings first? Uh, Bridget, after you. Okay. So, <laughs> so um, I think I have a little bit of a background in this because I got involved in politics at a decently young age and I feel like with the age we've grown up in we've relied a lot less on at least personally a lot less of our information is gathered from like typical news sources like I never sat down just to watch like Fox News or CNN I would turn to the internet because it was available to me and it was kind of it was what my brother had been doing it was what people around me had been doing I had heard people talking about you know Ben Shapiro and Steven Crowder, who have become like infamous almost in a way now, weren't as big of a influence when I was at that age, but there was still a lot of it online. So going online to that, I, I think it was kind of dangerous because once you get exposed to one side of something, you kind of get that um, confirm- confirmation bias of you're only looking for what you looked at. And so... I think nowadays, especially with what, so I looked at liberal um, social media influencers who have taken their platforms to push that agenda, which there's nothing wrong with that, of course, in practice. And then you look at some of um, the dangers of it, which are, of course, are more radical, um, like, like what they push can scare some people, which is often honestly their intentions of getting people to action through fear which is problematic to me just because i think education is the better way to do it other than making people freak out and having people nervous all the time so the three um social media influencers that i looked at two of them i would say have been from what i've seen relatively uncontroversial And then one of them did get into some hot water with some comments he made. So the first two that were uncontroversial, one of them is he both streams and then he posts content on YouTube. His name is Vosh. And then the other one makes commentary videos, or I guess you would call them a video essay. And they, 
I, I almost hesitated to call them liberal, but they were absolute. They absolutely have that bias themselves. They are a trans woman. Um, their name, they go by contrapoints, and they bring up con contradicting points and put them kind of head to head to each other in an educated, I would say, relatively balanced, but still definitely left leaning biased um, position to kind of expose social issues main mainly and then the last one his name is uh he goes by hasanabi and he got into some controversy by a comment he made which in out of context sounds awful because it implied that americans not necessarily deserved 9-11 but it was going to happen because of american actions and when he elaborated on it he said that he meant that american involvement in um, the middle east was going to lead to some sort of reaction and we should have anticipated that instead of acting shocked and surprised and using it as um a way to not but in some ways invade the middle east and so he ended up going on um onto a conservative talk show and they did call him out for that and they had him explain his comments because again he like um i mentioned vosh they're streamers so that's another problem with being a social media influencer in politics is that if you're a streamer or you're a YouTuber, you don't typically have a huge team behind you vetting everything you say. You don't have, a t like, you know, your team is typically yourself and maybe a manager if you're big enough. But a lot of these aren't. They um, Most of them are under the millions in subscribers, except for ContraPoints. She has about a million, which still in that aspect is a lot of them either have an editor, which the editor isn't in charge of checking what they're saying. They're in charge of um, editing their video just down to what can be posted in a short amount of time. So when you look at like what they're saying, it's all basically just what they let slide. And sometimes if they're streaming and it's live, everyone's recording, they're clipping, they're waiting for that opportunity, especially if they're of the opposite side, for them to mess up. And sometimes that just happens. A lot of times they'll be awkward because not all of them have, you know, training in this. They might have gone to school and they might have had a degree in political science, but that doesn't exactly equip them with the typical tools a news host might have. So sometimes they'll go on tangents, they'll get lost or they'll just outright say something that they didn't mean to and have to elaborate, but by then the clip has already taken off. And that's where the dangerous parts comes in is it gets sent to the other side, the other side sees it and makes a reaction. And like with what Hasanabi said, they said that he was an American hating. Um, he, he thought that the people in the buildings deserved it is how they interpreted it, which is again, a problem because when you're not having these discussions and it's instead reacting based on what they said previously or to clips and it's, it's still a problem with news sources but it's especially a problem with social media because it gets it's directly on the site so it can spread quickly they only have the response not in a conversation but in an after the thought and so moving on to the to contrapoints i would say she utilizes her videos to open up more of a discussion without actually having a conversation with like someone live she takes different characters from different perspectives and she kind of elaborates on how 
different viewpoints have seen it and how that can affect the way that you view it. And so obviously I don't think that she necessarily has had a conservative background. So she struggles to completely, un like she only has the outsider perspective of what they are and all of her characters are caricatures. No one is safe from that. Neither the ones that are liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican, all of them are made into being caricatures. So I would say that in that aspect, she's fair. But the, the point she is trying to make in all of her videos is absolutely in the I like in the liberal viewpoint. So at, by the end of the video, you are supposed to agree with her, but she utilizes both sides to kind of get that across. And then Vosh is more of a Twitch streamer who just um, he handles typically like everyday issues. He posts a lot, which again is an advantage of not having a huge team behind you is there's less prep required and that you can pretty much immediately respond to issues that come up, whether it be with the election or social issues. And so he is able to stream live and get like the info right then and get the different perspectives um, pretty much immediately. So the one before I give it over to Nate, the one difference I think that was like is absolutely notable is that none of them exactly have the notoriety of um, a conservative social media, like um, some that I'm sure he will talk about because they don't typically have, um, I would say that left-leaning media is in the forefront and those typically respond to um, conservative influencers who I feel have gotten popular due to like backlash in response to mainstream media being mostly liberal is that people instead turn to if they're not turning to fox because maybe they don't trust them either they turn to people who are more like them and so i'm sure nate will explain more about that yeah so i'm talking on the other half so bridget uh bridget explained sort of the um the new age of media uh the, that like helped develop like the political ideology and like new age of media of like more left uh the more uh progressive side you could say and i'm talking about the opposite was conservative and i think now like what's super interesting is like the way how does a like a, a kid or like a teenager form their initial like alignment in their political ideology I think it's getting less away from the parents, like the parents, like promoting that and the parents um, like saying, oh, oh, you should vote this or oh, you should believe this. Yeah, in some people's cases, that is still a factor. But I think as technology increases and as like the media coverage, such as social media, YouTube, we're just talked about, like there's more outlets that um, like sort of draw people in for um, to, to form their opinion. So, for me, this is this is sort of an interesting story, and this is sort of going around the internet now in, among like apps like Twitter and TikTok, and like a lot of boys, I think my age, funnily enough, like are talking about this experience, and like obviously like like majority of guys are like in the like video game like YouTube content, so we'll be watching these like video game like YouTube videos and like. The algorithm of YouTube recommends us like certain 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 videos based on your interest, but like back in like I don't know I want to say like 2014 2013 like you I would get recommended a ton all these like videos of like these conservative um, 
these more like conservative um, leaning, like not really news outlets, but like like outlets for like conservative ideals and like uh, beliefs that would like be in the sidebar to my videos in like next to YouTube because it's recommending it and like in the ads before the video. And they'd say like these like really, they make, they'd spin the videos in a certain way that it didn't look like they were initially like cons like conservative or like trying to get you thinking a certain way. They, like, they frame the videos as like human nature. Like they, and like they like were really like shining like light on certain things that would be obvious to a person. For example, like an example of this, of like one of their like thumbnail videos, it was like why people are trying to separate, um, separate uh, or like segregate colleges in like 2013 or like something like that. Something that sounds like, oh my God, that's horrible. What segregation was like back in the 60s, that was horrible, that was racist. And then you click on a video and then that gets you and like, cause you think like as a person yourself who like has like morals and beliefs you think like okay that's clearly a bad thing there's no way that they can spin this as something else you click on that video and um then you keep on getting recommended videos and where they progressively start getting more and more like opinionated and for an ideal like in that ideal deserve so a couple of these i'm mainly talking about um like the first one that like was for me was uh prayer you i don't know if you guys I've seen videos about that. Yeah, they like they have they appear in ads before like Call of Duty YouTube videos, and like the and you're like, oh well, this seems logical. I wouldn't want, I have like friends that are black. I wouldn't want to go to separate college from them, and that's like ridiculous. People are trying to do that, and like, though you start getting into that mindset that now you keep watching them, and then like Bridget said, the confirmation bias, you start like starting align yourself with that ideology, and like for me. I never got to the, and like, I did like branch out and look at other sources of that like conservative, um, like um, ideology, like not new supporters, but like outlets for that. Like ben, the Ben, ben Spear show, Steven Crowder, Lalith Crowder, PragerU, uh, and like there's a whole plethora of people on YouTube and Twitch and have these things that aren't necessarily gauged at like kids or younger people but the kids or younger people are the ones that are on those sites. And there are gonna be the ones that are looking at that, um, like that, those um, ideologies, like agenda pushing sort of um, content. And I think this is sort of like a growing pain with the new age of social media, because this kind of exploded if you think about it, like with Facebook and then all the apps that happened, we didn't really know, like, if you think about it, like back in like 20th century like radio was huge but that was still like someone just reading the news to you and like that was a big development but i think the shift from now social media allows everyone to have a platform makes it less like regulated by um like we just said less like um regulations and less editing and less production value that allow like more things to be like pushed out into the space and it's just interesting because like it's so i know people who it's we just say it fell down a path like that not like regardless of like 
they kind of got like they're still in that section now where like they are super like they love the videos of Prager you and Steven Crowder because like from an objective point as like a political science student you can see like even regardless of like my own beliefs there's like critiques of those videos that you can point out where like they're not entirely like truthful they do a lot of editing to where it looks like they are like they play the victim being like oh you're a minority but you're secretly right and everyone else is wrong and they have all of these tricks that they use to uh, get people to uh, like believe them. And it's especially like when I was like, and like you sort of sided with them because when you're a kid like that, or I'm not saying I, I'm like that much older than I were, was then, but I didn't have a lot of, I'm not consuming a lot of other media. Like I like Bridget and me both said, like it's a lot of like what we're looking at is on YouTube like Instagram, like not a lot of people on Twitter, my age and like TikTok and people that have these platforms, they can make easily digestible content that they push out and then, but they don't necessarily like paint the entire picture or they paint it with a bias because it's, it's just up to them and they can paint it as a bias however they want. And that sort of gets into my point of how that's how like people nowadays or these kids are forming their political ideologies on my side of the spectrum, which the algorithm is pushing these videos, um, maybe for me, that are more leaned, leans to the conservative ideology. And for Bridget, the algorithm pushes uh, the more progressive uh, liberal side of an ideology. And I think that's super interesting. It is, I, I agree with you. Um, I have a couple of questions for you too, based on what I'm hearing you talk about, and from my perspective of being older than you in a different generation, uh, back in the day in the 20th century, that you met, uh, made me feel incredibly old a minute ago, Nate. Uh, but that was, that was the media was uh, TV. It was especially for the conservative side, talk radio. For the liberal side, it's what we call the mainstream media, newspapers and, and TV stations. Uh, Bridget, I got some questions for you. Uh, how am I, as an old person, going to bump into these these influencers? How am I how am I going to find them originally? So Nate brings up the idea about the algorithm, and I want to get back to that in a couple minutes. But if we want to in if we want to introduce some of these more liberal or progressive socializers to people of an older generation. How would you do it? Well, <laughs> you, Bridget. Um, All right, guys, nice podcast. I'll see you now. Yeah, great, great seeing you. All right, Nate. So uh, you and I will just continue to talk, and then uh, when Bridget comes back, yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, you were talking about socialization and how political. Hi. Oh, hey. I I joined through my phone because my Chromebook lost connection. I'm sorry. Uh, let are you are you ready to? Do you think you'll be able to answer some questions over the phone? Absolutely. All right, calling in now. We have Bridget <laughs> on the line. Bridget, Bridget thanks yep. for joining us here on AP GoPoCast. Of uh, course. Th thanks for calling, Bridget. Uh, <laughs> Bridget, how do I get the older generation to? to have their personal Venn diagrams overlap with these younger streamers. Cause I'll, I'll tell you what people, even in my generation, 
which is just barely ahead of yours, we don't consume Twitch. We're not we're not on Twitch. Uh, yep. We of course we're on YouTube, but how do we get people to hear or see these these contributors that you mentioned? How does that happen? Yeah. So um, a, some of them, like Hasanati, he has been um, across platforms. He was invited on some um, mainstream talk shows. I wasn't. I forget which one it exa was exactly. I think it honestly might have been Fox News. Um, but when some of them get um, more popular, I think certainly um, they get invited on because so like regular mainstream media is trying to stay relevant. They're bringing on these younger people um, who. Um, the older generations might have only heard about from their children. Um, I'm certain my parents know about, um, like, if they've heard about Ben Shapiro or Stephen Crowder, it's been from me and my brother saying something about, like, oh, like this, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so when you see them on TV, I feel like that's pretty much the only way because otherwise, unless kids are ready to sit down with their parents and watch some political videos with them because – Watching the news can be one thing, but especially if you disagree with your parents politically, it can be much more difficult to have a civil conversation. So I think the main way is just cross platforms. So that's that's interesting. You you put you posed this in a way to say that the mainstream media, in an effort to stay current, is reaching out to these new media platform users. And I might look at it from the opposite perspective. I might say hmm. that the mainstream media is helping out these individuals by helping to give them a more mainstream platform. But I don't know yeah. which the truth is. The folks that you mentioned, I've heard about them, but I don't follow them. I haven't seen anything. You, do you happen to know offhand how many followers they have? I can look up very quickly. I know I have a feeling it's in the millions. Um, okay. But I would say it's honestly kind of like a hand in hand of both of them get um, like a benefit of the media, like the mainstream media gets to stay relatively um, uh, up to date with what kid, with what the kids are watching today. And then um, and then people like Ben Shapiro, I just pulled up his YouTube. He has 2.49 million subscribers, which is not bad. And I would say even though that's the amount of subscribers he has his reach is absolutely wider because a lot of the people who are seeing the content aren't seeing it in directly off of um, whatever website they may be posting from, but are instead seeing it from either clips I would say are very popular of just, which is again, I say dangerous because you only see a little bit. So yep. you only see the most controversial point that made people upset, especially with the um, conservatives. Um, okay. And so let me look up. So Ben Shapiro has had 2.49 million, and then Steven Crowder has 5.12 million. So he's doing especially. And his, I mean, something, a popular thing with, with him was that he had this show called Change My Mind, and he got turned into a meme of it was a picture of him sitting at this table that he does, or he used to do in public when um, it wasn't. Um, dangerous to be out in public and interview people and he would just he would sit with a microphone and just ask people to change his mind and he had he would sit at this table it would have like a sheet in front that said a thing and then it would say underneath it's like for example one of his 
most popular with 39 million views on YouTube is there are only two genders change my mind. And he would have a conversation. And I think a problem was that this wasn't, it's not a fair conversation, no matter where he goes, he often would frequent um, college campuses. So he'd be taking on people who have not prepared for this conversation. They are walked off the street, but it would get really popular because conservatives would look at it they would see, and it, um, I mean, he's well-spoken. He, his points are well thought out, despite the critiques that people after the fact can give to them once they have also have time to prepare. They would see these conservatives. Um, they would say, like, they, they've owned the liberals. Like, they've, they've annihilated their side. And um, so I just think those are probably, like, the main two when you think of political influencers. I would say they are definitely the largest. All right. Now, I don't know this number off the top of my head, so I've got a, a question for Nate. Mm -hmm. While I'm asking him a question, uh, do you think you could look up a number for me um, and see how many people are in Rush Limbaugh's radio audience on a regular basis? Rush Limbaugh. Rush, Rush Limbaugh. How many people are in that radio audience? Let's see. I will look that up. Awesome. All right. So, Nate, uh, I had a question for you, and you're talking about how social media is really taking on the role of socializing. That was one of the terms that we discussed in class, the whole idea of political socialization. And you feel like maybe it's not the family doing it so much anymore, but social media is really taking the lead. And then you you made a comment that has me a little bit worried. Is political socialization happening now not just in the home and not just in school and in social circles, but have we turned over the responsibility of political socialization to algorithms? That's that's a super like important question to ask. And like the thing is, like in sort of a way, like it's like that's where we the algorithm. So like take Birch's example of like Steven Crowder's video of um, Change My Mind, there are only two genders. That video gets insanely popular. It gets spread everywhere. There's clips everywhere. And then it's insanely popular on YouTube. And the algorithm algorithm then recommends things like that because it's so popular to people who to a lot of people, even if they haven't really like watched a Stephen Crowder video before, they still recommend it to it because it's so popular. That's sort of how YouTube like runs and how content creators get big on there is through the algorithm and like getting new people into their videos. But I think, yeah, like scarily, as scary as that sounds, like that's like an algorithm is sort of like recommendations on posts and like an algorithm like that is sort of like leading us, like leading the people to like draw like ideological conclusions about themselves. But this is when like the, um, this is when we have to take control at this point because myself uh, during like that time where like the, I only like got stuff from YouTube and like I really watch the news uh, sometimes but not a lot. Uh, I got lost from YouTube and the algorithm recommended me a lot of that stuff. Like this is where we have to have the foresight for ourselves sort of like branch out into other sort of media and get more information. Like I'm not saying that algorithm doesn't control our lives but it will if you, if you let it. Like if you sit there on YouTube and binge like PragerU, Ben Shapiro, Stephen Crowder, sort of um, stuff, like 
that's all the algorithm is going to send you because it shows that you like it. And then that means it's going to get more views. And that means YouTube's going to get more money because it gets more ads for the videos that it sends before the video. Um, so yeah, that's, it's sort of like, it's scary. And I don't know how there would be monetization about that without like it being a violation of free speech on YouTube to say that, but this is sort of when the ball's in our court now. Now, like, yes, there are ways that like the algorithm like, is biased and like it can give you a confirmation bias if you let it. But this is when like it's in our hands to sort of maybe look for other resources and uh, have a variety of perspectives to where we draw our like beliefs and beliefs from. That's a really big responsibility, and I don't I don't know if most Americans at least in the last several years who've been consuming their news off of these sources. I don't know if most of us are really good at seeking out alternate sources and, and trying to seek out information that might challenge our, our own biases. And I agree. And I think that's part of the, one of the reasons why we are really polarized today, because we don't really like to like we get comfortable in a sort of belief and being like, Oh, this is right. This is good. And let me stick with this because this is what you feel. And then, but we don't want to look for that like underlying feature of, oh, this, like this aspect of this certain belief is, is like against this or has this certain con. So like, that's probably one of the reasons why we're so polarized. Like if, if we like, it's along with President Trump and it's along with like, once again, the algorithm, how it's recommending things to you. Cause the way I like to see it is like, think of like a person in their like thirties. Okay. And they, they're done with school. They're not getting a lot of, and they don't have like a lot of family members or anything like that to like challenge them. They're going to go on YouTube and like, or like watch a certain, it's the same thing with news sites. People don't want to watch different news sites because they like a certain like style of news and they like the people honestly like the bias that they're getting. But, um, it's the same thing with, uh, sort of these smaller, not, I won't say they're growing pretty fast, these like YouTube shows. And it can really like, if that's the only media they're consuming, they're gonna get like fervent about it because they paint it in a light. Okay, let me, let me step back for a second. Um, Steven, some of Steven Crowder's videos in all their videos, like Steven Crowder, like Ben Shapiro owning libs and like the PragerU videos, not really the PragerU ones, but the more where it has like human to human interaction and debates they edit it in a very poor light to where it looks like the other side are absolutely ridiculous like they still throw in one person where like they like they obviously disagree but they're like normal but then like the like say they interview like 10 people they're maybe throwing like nine like nine out of the ten are like they show like the crazy they show like the crazy people and that's like it makes it it that's the same thing with media they show like a certain lens to push their bias and that's why when people are like looking that's why we're so polarized because when you're only consuming that type of media you're going to get a warped perception of what the other side actually is you're going to get the perception the other side is a full of like crazy like um like from the conservative side crazy like socialists like want to take all the money away and crazy like college students who don't know anything are dumb and scream and get angry and try to fight you because you don't agree with them and then you're going to look at that side and if people try to come at not come at you but if people try to present another view you're going to default to that idea that you've gotten from those videos that the algorithm recommended to you that 
they are just another like crazy radical socialist like out of the blue like insane person. well if that if that biased information is coming from sources like crowder is he is he creating this content primarily for entertainment purposes that's like yeah okay he does, he does if he's entertaining people or if, if that's his perceived primary goal is to provide entertainment then secondarily to that we wind up getting this socialization mm -hmm. so do you, do you think that some of these social media influencers are using entertainment as their primary means of, of communicating and then we just happen to be socialized in the process well, or do you think socialization is definitely their number one goal see i with with a lot of them i think it's i think it's both honestly like because crowder crowder makes those videos like the change my minds because he knows they're popular and he knows they make a lot of money but he also has another segment like another part of his show where he does like more uh a, more of like a podcast and more of like a like an actual like not news show but he covers things in the news like i think he covered the election and he covers like uh that stuff and like yes those like they're not like straight fact and what's the word i'm looking for uh they're not like a news station where it's like super formal like they're they're colloquial they're kind of colloquial the shows but yeah. he still isn't like is having um like presenting like um news to the people which could be um perceived as him trying to like make the people uh align a certain way and the same thing with ben shapiro he has like segments um he has like the ben shapiro show which is similar to seeing crowder where he like talks about news but he also has sections of him like on videos of channel of him like completely like debating people and like owning the libs as as they call it um which is probably meant for entertainment because he knows those videos do well. So I think there's it's a it's both. And whether like I'm not in any of the heads, but whether they which one they value more, like could impact. And that's kind of up for our own discretion as people like to see is this just entertainment or is this primarily entertainment or is this like things I should be basing my beliefs off of? All right. And it's gonna be it's gonna be tough on us to try to teach the younger generations how to discriminate between something that's given to them as entertainment versus something that's supposed to be informational. Hey, Bridget. Yep. Did you happen to find out Rush Limbaugh's radio audience? Um, according to the internet, it says 15.5 million. Have you, ever, have you ever listened to a Rush Limbaugh radio show? I cannot say I have. Okay. So what I think we have here is an example of a generational divide of media consumption, because there are, as we heard here, millions of people listening to Rush Limbaugh, who we could probably bet are not listening to either Ben Shapiro or uh, certainly Vosh. Uh, so we have this generational divide where based on your age, you're going to be consuming media that maybe the other generation just has never even heard of. And is there, do you think there's going to be a way that we can bridge that gap? That if you are familiar with ContraPoints and Vosh, but you're not really familiar with a Rush Limbaugh, um, how do we, how do we bridge the gap 
of getting people to try and consume or at least be aware of the other viewpoints that might be generationally divided from them? I mean, I wouldn't say there's exactly like a method or an easy solution other than something that I think a lot of Americans may not be ready for, may not want to do, and it just might make them uncomfortable. It's just have a conversation without like losing your mind. Like, um, I'm not sure you know, I'm ready. a lot of people. What? I'm joking. No, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Go uh, no, I just don't think a lot of people are. And I, I absolutely have struggled with this myself, just being like a human. And that's why I understand it is it's really hard to see the other perspective, especially when you're so certain that you're right. And I mean, I'm not even just talking about like certain issues that I would say are human rights issues, because even people have debates on those. And I think it can be dangerous to have, you know, debates about, you know, which humans get rights. But there's, I would say it's more about, for a lot of the case in American, at least for Americans, it's issues about where our tax money is going, if how many immigrants and which immigrants and what the vetting process for that is going to be. It's going to, it's talking about what jokes are okay to make at work and, um, you know, how do you, are you supposed to be educating your boy or should you be like protecting your girl? It's like stuff like that, where it's, it's very ingrained socially and it's very hard to, you know, break from that norm. It's very hard to either go back or go forward. It's very easy just to stay with the flow of where people are heading. And so I think we just need to be ready to have conversations to hear how how where people are coming from um and there's there's actually a youtube channel that has these i think it's jubilee um a lot of or and then there's another one i'm not sure if it's the same or if there's different names where they have um they have conversations where it's two opposing sides um and one of them they literally walk on they have issues from people like recently there was one about if you were Black Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter, you would walk from whether you strongly agreed or strongly disagreed with the point or like the in-between points. And you literally just walked to different sides. And then you had a conversation. And then there's another one where it's the same concept, only you sit down instead. And you just talk. You sit down if you agree. You stay back if you don't. And then you come forward when it's your time. And it's I think things like that are very important to kind of have conversations because you're never going to bridge a, a gap if or expand or understand your crazy aunt about what she's rambling at at um, the family dinner party if you can't at least try to see where they're coming from. Because from a lot of people, they don't want to. They just want to prove that they're right or they want to get the other person to agree with them. And it's hard. It's not – I don't think it's going to be, you know – a widespread movement anytime soon, but maybe after this whole pandemic thing, people will be a little bit more willing to speak with one another, considering I would say politics have gone so fiery, considering that we're all at home and, you know, there's a lot less worry about, uh, is my boss going to, is this going to be an awkward conversation with my boss when you're only online? Yeah, that's a good point. All so right. I think it's like that basically. 
Excellent. Uh, thank you both very much. I, you gave me some names of some people and things I'm going to want to check out. Uh, you, you did a really good job, and uh, I appreciate you sticking around and having the conversation. Thank you, uh, Nate. Thank you very much. And thank you, Bridget. Have yourselves a great day, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll see you next time.